Well, good morning and thank you. Uh, this is amazing to see so many people here today that loved our dad uh, and our mom. Well, I got 10 words out anyway. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm Bill Bright, Jr., for those of you that I haven't met. Uh, I'm Dad's eldest son and uh, privileged to uh, MC a lot of today. And if you couldn't tell by now, this, this is a Christian memorial service, uh, a time of praise and thanksgiving and hope directed to our great God, conducted in loving memory of our dad, our grandpop, our great-grandpop, brother, uncle, and friend. And dad had a lot of friends, as you can see in the room here today. Uh, all of the music that you'll hear today uh, features songs that were chosen by our mom. And uh, I thought she picked some really good songs. And on behalf of our entire family, uh, I wanted to thank you for joining us uh, this morning as we seek the comfort of the Holy Spirit the consolation of God's word, and as we renew our hope in the certainty of the resurrection of the dead through Christ. Uh, I've seen Dad yesterday and today and the day before, and while there's tears of joy seeing Dad in the casket, uh, what really got me today was looking at all those memories. Because that's not Dad. Dad's in heaven. <laughs> That's dad's earthly body, and he has a heavenly body, no pain, no suffering. And um, I was out of town. Uh, I didn't realize how quick dad would go downhill. And, and uh, our brothers uh, that were here were telling me, you know, dad's slipping fast. And when I got home, it, we, you know, we couldn't get on our knees and beg him to please stay. It was like we begged the Lord uh, to take dad home, and he's not suffering anymore. Uh, he's in a great place uh, right now. The psalmist wrote just a couple verses of encouragement. Later on, uh, Pastor Wetterlin will share some remarks with all of you. Um, he met with mom and us earlier this week and got to know uh, where mom's heart was. But uh, I stole this from an order of service uh, on an earlier funeral. I thought these were some great verses that you shared with me, Brother Wetterlin. The psalmist wrote, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And then the writer of the book of Hebrews says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And for those who wrestle with so many questions as we face the loss of a loved one, Paul wrote, for now we see through a glass darkly, someday we shall understand even as we are understood. And this tells us that someday all of our questions will be answered and everything will be made clear. And even as we grieve, we can rejoice uh, together this morning that because our dad placed his confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, our God provided to him a living hope guaranteed to believers through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So before we continue, uh, let's ask the Lord's blessing on our time uh, together this morning. Father, we thank you uh, for our dad. Um, there's a lot of people here, Lord, that uh, are direct descendants, 51 of us, uh, because of him and our mom, of course. 
And Lord, we, uh, we thank you for giving us the dad that you chose just for us. And we're honored uh, to be called his children and grandchildren and great children and brother and uncle and cousin and all the other uh, pronouns, Lord. And I, I just uh, thank you for our dad. We thank you, Lord, that you took him so quickly. He was in a lot of pain, probably more pain than he ever let on. But that was our dad. Our dad was strong. And at the end, Lord, when we pleaded with you to take him home, you were gracious and, and um, took him home to you so that he was not suffering any further. And Lord, we uh, look forward to the day when we're reunited, reunited with our dad in heaven, Lord. And may that even be today uh, that we would be, you would come back and call us that know you as our savior home to heaven. Lord, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know, can't give a Bible reason why they know for sure they'd go to heaven, Lord, I pray that today you would work in their heart and before they left here, what a, what a great tribute that would be to our dad uh, to have people come to know you as their personal savior through his death, through our dad's death and being here today and hearing the word of God spoken in song and in word. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us today, comfort us, and uh, may everything that we say and do today be to your honor and glory in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can stay seated, but mom picked out a couple hymns, and one of which we're gonna sing now is I Shall Know Him. You're going to hear from all of uh, my dad's four sons, so I'll keep my remarks as brief as possible. Well, as some of you know, my wife uh, Debbie and I moved back to South Carolina uh, this past Christmas to once again be closer to her mom uh, and my parents, and never did we think 
that we would be burying my mother-in-law just seven weeks ago today. And that we'd be here today reflecting on my dad after his passing. I'm so thankful for a lifetime of great memories with my mom and my dad. It seems like too many children these days are estranged from their parents or really have a shallow relationship. And uh, if you couldn't tell by now, uh, we had a great relationship with our mom and our dad. Don't get me wrong, we had our issues, we had our squabbles. But for the vast majority of my life, I have loving memories, much in part from the strong Christian foundation that our family was built upon. As I said earlier, I'll try to keep my remarks brief as you'll be hearing from all of my brothers uh, today throughout today's service. So let me start off by giving you a glimpse into my dad's life. Dad was born in the countryside of Leesport, Pennsylvania. It's a lovely area with rolling hills, farms, and lots of fresh air. And dad lived close to a school, and we heard repeatedly how he walked to school in all types of weather. So unlike all those who say, when I was a kid, I walked uphill both ways in the snow. Well, for our dad, that was actually true. My grandfather worked on the railroad, and the commute to and from the train yard in Philadelphia uh, got tiring, so he moved his family Uh, to Philadelphia. And Dad attended Roxborough High School where he would then meet my mom. And they soon would fall in love. And after graduation, Mom and Dad were married. As with any marriage, there are adjustments. And this was true for them too. If you've already heard my mom's testimony, as I know many of you have, you know the struggles they faced for a number of years. Then one day, a neighbor invited mom to church where she heard. That's right. (laughs) Mom, you come up and finish, okay? (laughs) She heard that God loved her and sent his only son to pay the penalty for her sins so she could spend eternity in heaven with him. And that night, mom prayed and accepted Christ as her savior. Three nights later, My dad, I'm sure at her urging, (laughs) came to church. And uh, that night, dad too prayed and accepted God's free gift of salvation. And as mom and dad grew in Christ, so did their marriage, and their marriage strengthened. The Lord would bless mom and dad with four boys to raise. Our dad was a hard worker. Dad made many sacrifices to provide for his family. And as we reflect back on our childhood, we... Just the other day, we're all commenting uh, how dad often would go without so that his family's needs were met. I have fond memories of fun trips to the Jersey Shore, amusement parks. Where's Uncle Bob? The annual bright fishing trip, right? And well, we even took a five week vacation cross country. Dad always wanted to plan fun things for his boys and his wife. It was an honor to go on several international mission trips. Many of you have gone with my mom and dad on mission trips, and you know what hard workers they are. So I joined them in Peru and South Africa. In fact, I always tell dad we need to suffer for Jesus and go back to South Africa. Uh, It was so beautiful there. Mom and dad's mission travels and would take them to six out of seven continents. 
Shortly after moving to South Carolina, we would learn of the Polly's vacation to Alaska. Well, soon thereafter, Debbie and I would have the pleasure to join mom and dad for their 50th wedding anniversary on an RV vacation to Alaska. And we went from not being so sure about RVing to being in love with the freedom and adventure that RVing offers. Fast forward a few years and Debbie and I would purchase our own fifth wheel and we were able to make, take a few trips with mom and dad in their later, his later years uh, to Key West and Pigeon Forge and Texas and back. Mom and dad never made a, met a stranger in their life. And we could keep you here all day telling you about some of the people that, that they met and shared the love of Christ. And they'd strike up a conversation with people they had met for the first time, oftentimes developing friendships that will last for years to come. One such day that I'll never forget was on a trip from Dallas, Texas, back to South Carolina for Christmas. Mom and Dad, uh, I, I convinced them, Mom, come on home. Stay with me in Texas. Amanda's got all these concerts and this and that. It'll be a great time. You won't just be sitting around our little RV. And so they did. They came, and, and uh, I brought Mom and Dad back. And uh, our first night on the road, we ate at a small local restaurant. Well, I left the table for a quick health break, and I returned to find Mom and Dad talking to a family at a nearby table. Well, as it turned out, the family was from Connecticut, and they were headed to California to be with a family member dying of cancer. After their lengthy conversation, Dad says, and there's a picture that the sound crew is going to put up, Dad says, let's have a word of prayer together. And so there we stood in the middle of this restaurant while we had an impromptu prayer meeting for this family that were traveling out west. This is the dad I'll always remember. Uh, a gentle, caring, loving, giving, godly man. Those of you that know him, he wasn't a showy man. He didn't need to be in the spotlight. Dad fought a hard battle with cancer. I know he didn't want to burden us with his trial. We believe he was in a lot more pain than he ever led on to. Until the very end, when the pain was so strong, he couldn't hide it anymore. We were all caught off guard by how quickly Dad's health spiraled downhill. In his final few days here on Earth, he was ridden with cancer that was raging in his body and cancer that was too painful to bear. Our prayer quickly changed from one of asking God to heal our dad or to extend his life to one of asking God to take dad home to heaven with him. You see, we knew that after dad's final breath, he would be with the Lord in heaven. Oh, what a celebration that must have been to be re reunited with so many others who had put their faith in God. And I long for the day when I'll join him in heaven. And the question that I leave with each of you is, do you know where you'll be going once you take your final breath?
few minutes ago, Gene Merkel asked me, so tell me about your dad. So let me tell you about dad for a couple minutes. So as, as Bill kind of alluded to already, um, dad was like most men in this world. He was like most, most men that are here this morning. Um, he was just a regular guy. He didn't lead a church. He didn't lead a company. Uh, he wasn't a politician. He wasn't a community leader. Uh, he didn't have any advanced degrees. In fact, dad only graduated from high school. And from what I understand, according to mom, it was by the skin of his teeth. <laughs> she helped him uh, pass high school. Uh, he still couldn't spell to this day. He, you know, he had to rely on mom for that. Um, no books written about dad. Only mom has that distinction. She, she, has a, she has a book she wrote, which will be for sale in the lobby uh, <laughs> afterwards, $29.99 and free shipping today. No books. He wasn't wealthy, wasn't famous. But what he was was an amazing husband and father who worked hard, faithfully took care of his family, and loved the Lord. And that's, let's be honest, that's, that's most of us, right? Most of us are in that same camp. One of my earliest memories about Dad was in the early 1970s in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. Some of you, some of you folks know where, know where Hatfield is. Um, Dad gave me a ride on his motorcycle. Now, Matt, where's Matt at? Yeah, Matt, my son with the long beard over here. Matt has a Harley. I've never even had a motorcycle, but Matt has a Harley already. This wasn't a Harley, Matt. This was like a little 500cc, like, you know, Japanese or whatever they are, you know. Ben, it wasn't an R1. My other son, Ben, has an R1. So I got nothing. These two... It was just this little tiny blue, kind of ugly motorcycle. Didn't go very fast, I guess. And get, Dad gave me a ride to the end of Diamond Street and back. And I thought that was the greatest thing. Um, at the time, I guess I thought, I was, I don't know, probably five years old. I thought Dad just had a toy, I, mean, I guess, that he played with on weekends. I didn't know. But I later learned that Dad had that bike because he rode it every day to work. And some of you that know where Hatfield is, Center City, Philadelphia is about an hour away. <clears throat> now, I'm sure that the two months a year that the weather's nice in Pennsylvania, it was probably a lot of fun, right, on those sunny, warm days, which is July and August, and that's it. But it wasn't so much fun on the, the days that it rained, and it wasn't so much fun on the days that it was freezing cold, and it wasn't any fun on the days it was raining and cold. And I heard Dad tell stories of the times that he would get to work and have to change his clothes, right, Mom? Because he was soaking wet. And he would get to work, and his hands were so cold, he couldn't hardly move them. Remember some of those stories, Mom? So that wasn't, that wasn't a toy for Dad. That was because he had four kids that were getting ready to go to Christian school, and we could only afford one car. And so Dad gave Mom the car, and he rode... 500cc Japanese bike to work. Um, so that's the kind of guy he was. Um, he gave, as Bill said, he gave up a lot for us, including, the, including having a car that he could take to work. Where's Josh at? Josh, if you go to mom and ask her for me to give up my Explorer for work, we're, we're going to need to talk about that. I'm not, not quite sure I'm ready to do that. 
I work in Tennessee, so if I, if I don't have a car, it's going to be an issue. But, but that's what Dad did for us. And speaking of school, on a very modest salary, Dad never made a lot of money. Uh, and, and with a lot of help from Mom, to be fair. Um, he somehow put all of us through private Christian school and all of us through Bob Jones, and we all graduated with not a dollar of debt. How that happened, I don't know. Um, as some of you know, I have, I have a few children. They're sitting over, it's like the whole left side of the auditorium here is my family. And so I've been putting kids through school, and I know how expensive that is, and I know how hard it is. And somehow Dad put all of us through 20-some years of private schooling, and, and none of us ever paid a dollar for any of it. So I now, under, I now understand how hard that was and how much of a sacrifice that was. And so thank you, Dad, for all that you did. Dad was also an excellent example to us of the value of hard work. I'll always remember when Dad retired from AT&T. So the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, Mom, did you guys drive from Bedminster, Pennsylvania to Bedminster, New Jersey? It was about 60, 70 miles one way. So they'd have to get up really early, leave by 7 in the morning. I mean, it was a crazy day. Dad did that for a lot of years. So he finally retired, <clears throat> and I thought, oh, well, Dad will come home and I guess he'll, you know, sleep in and, um, you know, take a long vacation, start enjoying his, his, uh, his pension, right? Well, no, that's not what he did. A week later, it seemed like, he's working at the Wawa down the road. Now, some of you southern folks that don't know what Wawa is, it's like QT, all right? So not, nothing fancy here. I don't even, I can't remember what Dad did. I remember he worked in the freezer. It was freezing cold. He had to wear gloves. What did he do, Mom? Yeah, just, yeah, made coffee. I'm like, Dad, you should, you should retire. You got a great pension check, and you're working at Wawa a week later, really? But that's how Dad was. He wasn't going to sit around. He was going to get busy, earn a paycheck. Even if it wasn't a lot, he was going to work and earn a paycheck because that's what Dad did, you know? He took care of his family, and he did that right to the end. After that, he drove school bus for a while, and Joyce also drove school bus for a long time. I remember asking Dad once, he had to get up crazy early to drive school bus, like 4.30 in the morning. And I remember asking him one day, I said, Dad, isn't that hard to get up at 4.30? He was like, hmm, like the first five minutes, it's pretty hard. But after that, it's, it's fine. And I'm like, really? If, if I get up at 4.30, which isn't very often, my whole day's ruined, and, and the next day too. And Dad's like, yeah, just the first five minutes is a little, little rough. After that, yeah, okay. But anyway, Dad set a really great example for us of, of the value of hard work. And now all of his sons are employed and working hard, except for Bill. Um, <laughs> Bill just tra takes trips to Las Vegas <laughs> and somehow gets paid for that. I don't really know. Uh, maybe I can get one of those jobs one day. But anyway, the rest of us, uh, Steve, John, and I, we, we all work hard and earn our money. I also want to mention the example Dad set for us by loving Mom. And since Bill already opened this can of worms, I'll, I'll just go through that, that thing. But Dad and Mom were married for 59 years this, this month, right, Mom? Uh, we have our anniversaries one day different than Mom and Dad. So this year would have been 59, next year 60. And the truth is it wasn't always easy. Um, if you want to buy Mom's book afterward for $29.99, <laughs> You can read all about it, but mom had a tough upbringing. She had an abusive father, was raised in orphanages, 
And when she got married to dad, it wasn't easy for a while, was it, mom? <laughs> and marriage was difficult. Mom had a lot of adjustments, a lot of growth. And you know what? My dad was always consistent. To the very end, he loved my mom. He worked through the hard times. There was never a doubt about, about his love. There was never a doubt about their marriage. It didn't matter how hard things were at that moment. Dad was consistent, and he loved mom right to the end. And let's be honest, that, that's not how culture is today, is it? People go through hard times, and they're done, right? They're like, ah, there'll be, there's something better, but that's not how dad was. He consistently and faithful, faithfully loved mom until the end. And that was one of the things I always really admired about my dad is how much he loved mom uh, consistently. Um, that's left an, a, a big impression on me and how I love my wife. The truth is that in our marriage, I'm the one that's hard to live with. So I think it's helped my wife um, learn to live with me all these years. But thank you, Dad, for the example you set. And Dad now has four sons that have all been married you know, 30-ish years, Bill a little more. I guess, Steve, you're not quite at 30 yet, right? 28, maybe? 20. But anyway, we, we all now have you know, long, long marriages, and, and Dad set a really good example for us. Uh, finally, I want to mention Dad's love for the Lord. Uh, as Bill said, his life was radically changed the year I was born. I think Mom and Dad got saved just a few months before I was born. Is that right, Mom? 1970. I know I don't look 52, I know, but it's <laughs> actually I am. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Dad never had the limelight. He was not very outspoken about his faith. Dad, Dad didn't speak a lot. He was quiet. Um, but you could learn more by watching Dad than listening to him. He had us in church three times a week. I remember he would drive all the way from Bedminster, New Jersey, uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and back, and he'd still be down in Lansdale on a Wednesday night for church. Now, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know how he did it. Um, he led family devotions. You guys remember Dad sitting in a chair reading devotions, and sometimes they got out of hand, mostly because of John. John would cut up, and he'd get in trouble for making jokes about somebody on the prayer list. The Gaiman, <clears throat> the Gaimans are here. You guys remember the prayer list? Remember that long thing? Well, in our family devotions, we used to read the whole thing. Yeah. Like two hundred people on there. I mean, like, why do we, why do we have to read this? Uh, Dad served as a deacon in multiple churches, and as Bill said, spent a lot of his retirement years serving up mission fields. So my first ever missions trip was to Peru, and I wasn't sure I wanted to do this, but I thought, man, if my 60-year-old dad can go and dig holes all day, then I guess, uh, I, guess I, can, I can figure out a way to do it, too. Uh, Dad took, I think, almost 10 years of his life, he and Mom going to China every summer, almost the whole summer, going to China every summer. So they could teach English and evangelize uh, the students over there. How's that for a way to spend your retirement years? But that's, that's what they did. Um, again, Dad's example resulted in all of his children growing up and serving the Lord. Uh, in fact, two of us, John and I, both graduated from seminary. And, and one of his kids has even pastored a church. So thank you, Dad, for your example. Done well in your children. One thing Dad never taught us, though, was how to live without him. Um, as Bill said, I've lost both of my fathers. Kristen's dad died um, how many weeks ago? Honey? I mean, about five months ago, right? 
Yeah, Kristen's dad just died uh, last December, and now I lost my dad. Um, and that, that'll be hard. I'm going to miss calling him. I'm going to miss talking to him. Um, watching him love my kids. Uh, we used to take mom and dad to Chincoteague every year. Not every year, but a lot of years. I'm going to miss, you know, miss those trips. Um, just last summer, dad, was, there was a picture on the screen, I think, of dad doing a cannonball in my pool. Uh, how's that at 77 years old and you have cancer to be doing cannonballs in the pool? So I'll miss all those things. Um, but I know my father's in heaven because he followed God's plan for getting there. Uh, I read a verse this past week. I was trying to think of a verse for, for this, this uh, service. I'm struggling to come up with something. And anyway, I came across uh, Jeremiah 9. And I thought, man, that's it. That's my dad right here, Jeremiah 9. And I'll finish with this. Verse 23 and 24 says, This is what the Lord says. Let no wise man boast of his wisdom, nor let the mighty man boast of his might, nor a rich man boast of his riches, but to let the one who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. And that was Dad. Dad never boasted of his wisdom. He never boasted about how mighty he was. Never boasted about his riches. He was a quiet, humble man. But the Lord says, here's what I delight in. I delight in somebody that understands and knows me. And that was my dad. That, that sums up his life right there. So, uh, Dad, I'm going to miss you. I love you. But, man, we are, we are so blessed to have Dad for the years we did. And I'm grateful for that. Well, we're going to sing another hymn, Amazing Grace, and uh, I've asked all the grandchildren and great-grandchildren, no matter how little you are, come on up, carry them up, and uh, they'll lead you in Amazing Grace.
was uh, reminded, Dave, when you were talking about our family devotions, and uh, I, this is not part of my prepared comments, but uh, one of the people's name on the prayer list was Ada Hummel, and uh, Dad must have dozed off and woke up and said, who ate a Hummel? <laughs> That was dad. And I'm sure he got some stern looks after that from mom. Well, hello everyone. My name is uh, John or Jonathan Bright. My mother gets mad when I don't say my whole name. I am the middle child. And by default, I am the evil child. Coincidentally, I'm also the golden child who can do no wrong by mom and while I get to do everything wrong. Um, so it's tough being me. Actually, Bill Jr. Uh, used to be the golden child, uh, but then he moved to Texas, and I naturally assumed the throne. And, but then he moved back to the Greenville area, and he thought he would regain his title as heir apparent, but I bought mom a beautiful rose bush for her front flower bed, and that sealed the deal. I am going to be the golden child for years to come. Uh, my brothers have all talked about what it was like growing up with my dad, but I have a few memories, um, and uh, I'll share them with you. Uh, many of you know that my dad was a hardworking man, um, and he expected nothing less from the four of us. Um, for many years, uh, my mom uh, canned. She loved canning fruits and vegetables. So dad always kept a garden. And it seemed like every house he went to, the garden got bigger. And, um, or should I say, the four of us kept the garden because dad was off at work. Uh, dad usually would do the planting and then we were left to do the endless hours of weeding and uh, sometimes harvesting. In fact, many Saturdays on the weekends, I can remember sitting around a big tub tipping beans till your fingers fell apart, or shucking corn, because mom wanted to freeze all of this stuff. Uh, then there was the mowing. Dad had this big John Deere tractor, and hours and hours of mowing and trimming around every one of those trees, lots of trees. Um, Dad did travel a lot with AT&T, uh, and so most of these chores fell to us guys. Uh, and in, then even after I was married, dad always seemed to be away every time it snowed. So um, Christy and I would have to run up to Bedminster uh, to do the plowing and shoveling the 800 foot long driveway. In fact, I remember the, the, the one time it snowed so fast, it was like an inch an hour. And so you, would, you just plowed all night long because by the time you got the one section done, there was a couple inches already in the part you just plowed. But I think dad secretly planned being away, uh, so he didn't have to do it. My dad also had a weird fascination for taking Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoon drives uh, to go look at some house or visit an open house. He saw some sign. Little did we know that someday dad would retire and go into selling real estate uh, after he retired from AT&T, but it was a natural fit. He was doing what he loved to do. Uh, the guys that said that dad was a relatively quiet man, but dad had a very quirky, dry sense of humor that wasn't always appreciated. 
I can remember the time Dad took us uh, deep sea fishing on one of these big headboats, you know. And after one of us caught a good-sized fish, Dad said, hey, that's, now that's a keeper. And uh, I remember there was a very inebriated young woman that stumbled over to Dad on the boat and asked him what a keeper was, to which Dad responded, well, it's the opposite of a non-keeper. <laughs> Needless to say, the woman had some few choice words for Dad and stumbled away. But that was Dad's sense of humor. Uh, Dad also loved to travel, as many people said. In fact, I remember in 1982, uh, Dad came home and announced that he had bought a Ford conversion van, uh, one of those scary vans that you see in movies, and announced that we were going to go on a month-long trip around the country. So that summer, before Bill went off to college, we traveled, I think it was over 10,000 miles, 30 states or something like that, and uh, we returned home with a lifetime of memories and laughs. Uh, during the trip, uh, Dad often offered me a quarter if I could not talk for 30 minutes. I would love to say it was a financial investment for that summer, but I don't think I ever got one quarter. For hours upon hours, we would stare out the windows. Dad would always say, look for bears, boys. You know, as we're driving through one of the felt like hundreds of national parks we drove through. I'm pretty sure I never did see a bear, but I'm sure they were there. Uh, my dad was a loving man. In fact, my mother commented to me recently that dad was the first person that chose to love her in spite of knowing her poor upbringing from the sitting housing projects in Kensington, Philadelphia. And as the, my brothers have said, our home didn't always look pretty. Um, we loved loudly. Um, but it was loud and messy, but you know, God was there. And it was through my parents' commitment to each other, and most importantly to their God, that I learned what selfless love looks like and how it should behave. One of the things that stands out in my mind about Dad is that he was a family man. Now, I, I know Dad had to travel so often for work, and we, we used to tease him that he had a, a separate family in Denver. Uh, because he was there all the time. But I soon came to realize how much Dad agonized being away from us. You know, as men, we, we battle with that. We have to work our job, but we want to be at home with our families. And we miss a lot of the memories, you know, of our children. As a, an adult, my dad was an invaluable source of guidance and support. Rarely was there any decision I made of any consequence that I didn't first bounce it off my dad. So often over the years, Dad just seemed to know when we were in a pinch financially and would just show up with a check in his hand for me. My kids absolutely adore their grandpa. He loved them sometimes more than I did. Sometimes grandpa was the jokester getting scolded by grandmom for getting the kids all riled up. Rarely was there a church or school event that grandpa and grandmom weren't there. Vacations. Ball games, hospitals, doctor visits, school pickups, missions trips. Yep, dad and mom were there. In the last couple days of dad's life, he was confined to his bed. And he lay there with his eyes closed, never, never opened them, just like today. Well, last Sunday night, as dad finally breathed his last breath and was ushered into God's presence, I held his hand. And I couldn't help but wonder what dad saw when he finally opened his eyes. As the song says, 
surrounded by his glory, what did his heart feel? Did he dance for you, Jesus, or in all of you be still? Did he stand in your presence, or to his knees did he fall? Did he sing hallelujah, or was he able to speak at all? I can only imagine. Makes me homesick for heaven. Dad, there's a big hole in my heart now. You left this world quickly and painfully. We never got to that last ball game we were planning. I wish I could talk to you just one more time. Because I want you to know I saw Jesus in you. I could hear his voice in the words you said. I saw Jesus in you. In your eyes, I saw his care. I could see his love was there. Dad, you were faithful. I saw Jesus in you.
Pardon me, I gotta put my readers on. I don't know if OtterBox has yet to invent a phone case that also holds reading glasses, but if not, they're looking overlooking a huge business opportunity. But I wrote my remarks down and they're useless without the readers, so. Uh, I'm Steve, uh, I know some of you, uh, not all of you, and you're all blurry now anyway because I have the glasses on. Uh, my wife Susan and I were actually members here for many years. Uh, in fact, uh, we are the reason that my parents uh, ended up attending church here when they moved down from Pennsylvania all those years ago. So if you know my parents and if you like them, you're welcome. Uh, conversely, if you know my parents and uh, you don't like them, it was actually Bill's idea to invite them here. <laughs> uh, in the cinematic masterpiece, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, are you braced? A father tells his son the story of how he built their kingdom. He told his son that despite people advising him not to, he built their castle in a swamp anyway. And it sank into the swamp. So he built another castle there. And it also sank into the swamp. So he built a third castle there and it burned down, fell over and sank into the swamp. But he built a fourth castle there and that one stayed standing teaching his son the lesson that, of persisting until you get something right. On a related note, I'm the last of my parents' four sons. <laughs> Stick with me, the jokes only get more convoluted from here. The father-son relationship is a notoriously complicated one. Um, Growing up, Dad and I did not always see eye to eye. Um, we didn't fight or argue very often, if ever. Uh, I don't think I ever disliked him, I just didn't always understand him. We were very different. It wasn't until the last 10 years or so that I realized that I'm actually a lot like Dad. In fact, I learned in a rather unusual way uh, that I was perhaps more like him than I really wanted to be. Uh, some of you may recall a software program that came out a few years ago called Face App. It was an app for your phone where if you uploaded a photo of yourself, it would show you what you would look like as an old person. Um, the, the app exploded in popularity. Everyone was using it. And then, then we found out it was a Russian app that you shouldn't have even had on your phone. And everyone deleted it quickly. I also deleted it quickly, but for a different reason than most people. I deleted it because my old person photo was a dead ringer for my dad, and I wasn't ready to accept that reality just yet. <laughs> I don't know why it's, I uploaded the picture with a cookie in it, but knowing dad, that actually makes even more sense. Uh, but there are, of course, other ways in which I, I'm similar to my dad. Uh, dad loved to travel. Dad loved Coke. Dad was a family man. Uh, Dad enjoyed watching Phillies and Eagles games with his sons. Uh, Dad took pride in working hard and providing for his family. Dad had a quick wit, and he perfected the art of the dad joke long before that term was ever invented. Dad believed in paying his way in life, and he always gave more than he took. Uh, Dad believed in being loyal 
uh, as evidenced by my parents' nearly 59 years of marriage. Dad could be critical, especially when we were boys, and he wasn't known for being generous with compliments. He wanted to raise his boys to be men, and that was part of his way of toughening us up. Uh, Dad was a man of faith, though usually he showed his faith more through actions than with words. Dad loved to eat, especially cheesesteaks. Dad was a cautious driver who rarely exceeded the speed limit. Okay, so we weren't alike in every way, you know? <laughs> uh, when I was in high school, I was looking through some random papers in a filing cabinet in my parents' home, and I found an old uh, personality profile that his employer, and I'm guessing it was Bell Telephone, I don't really remember, but he had gone to a corporate retreat, I think many years prior, and they'd done a personality profile on my dad. I'm sure it wasn't the Enneagram or anything that was trendy today. Who knows, this was probably the 70s. Um, two conclusions on the personality profile jumped out at me. The first that was, was that dad had a high intellect and could master difficult concepts easily. That rang true to me. I knew my dad was smart. The second was that dad was an, un an unemotional person with little or no empathy. <laughs> now that likely doesn't sound right to many of you who knew dad in his later years. But that's a testament to how much dad changed as his life went along. And he was humble enough to have a good sense of humor about whatever previous shortcomings he may have had. Um, not much more than a week ago, uh, as an example, not much more than a week ago, I was sitting in my parents' living room going over the list of appointments that they had that week, doctor's appointments. And uh, mom mentioned he had an appointment that week with his cardiologist. And I turned to dad and I said, oh, so they finally found your heart. <laughs> yes, dad got a good laugh out of that because dad knew how to laugh at himself and he didn't take himself seriously, not too seriously. Um, I'll miss dad. Uh, if you know me, you know I have a track record of going a lot of places and doing a lot of things. And over the years, I've invited my parents along on many of those adventures, and they almost always said yes. Um, I wrote down a list. Philly, not surprisingly. Orlando, Atlanta, Asheville, Knoxville, Mayberry. Yes, I know it's Mount Airy. We'll call it Mayberry. Myrtle Beach, many times. Charleston, Hilton Head. Uh, various places in the mountains. Numerous trips to Pigeon Forge, again, not surprisingly. Uh, including one in the heart of COVID, when government, Governor McMaster said, you weren't supposed to go anywhere but work or home. And uh, we decided that a cabin in the mountains counts as home, right? And we went and we had it to ourselves. Have you ever been to Pigeon Forge? This is a true story. We, when we left that morning, we drove through Gatlinburg. We were the only car not exaggerating, only car on the road in that entire stretch. Um, went to Philly, took dad to Phillies games, took him to Eagles games, no surprisingly, not surprising on that. Even took him to a Sixers playoff game a few years ago, though dad was never a big basketball fan. Marcus was there. I don't think dad loved it. The Atlanta basketball crowd was not very kind that night. <laughs> but we had a good time anyway and made memories. Uh, now dad is gone. And while 77 years may sound like a long time, uh, in a family where most of people live to 90 or more, it doesn't seem long enough. 
Uh, cancer may have destroyed his body and uh, taken him from us, but Dad made the most of the years he had, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have those memories forever. really didn't time out this order of service when I uh, put it together, but I can assure you it's way shorter than Pam McDowell's dad's funeral. Uh, where is Pam? Oh, there you are. You remember your dad's funeral. He knew he was dying and he met with uh, Pastor Calvert and he walked in with, here's what I want at my funeral. And Pastor Calvert said, Alden, that's going to be like two and a half hours. I'm not going to be here, he said. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you, that was one of the greatest funerals. Oh, my word. Uh, I'll never forget that. But I hope you've been encouraged today. I, I needed this, uh, and maybe you did too. So, all right, I'm going to quit crying, and we'll sing our next song. Right before Pastor Jim comes, uh, I forget what it is. It will be worth it all. has certainly been a blessing to hear these testimonies, these memories of God's grace in Bill's life. He certainly has been good to you and your family. 1945 was a very significant year in world history. 
On May 7th of that year, Germany surrendered to the Allied powers, and the war in Europe finally ended. Later in August 14th, after nuclear bombs were dropped on two major cities, Japan surrendered, effectively ending World War II. Harry Truman became the 33rd president on April 12th, after the unexpected passing of FDR. In June of that year, Truman witnessed the signing of the Charter of the United Nations. Here in the US, our country watched what was happening with great relief. Life was much different then, as you can imagine. The average cost of a house, Steve, was $4,600, pretty cheap. A gallon of gas cost 15 cents, donuts, a dozen could be purchased for 15 cents, and eggs could be purchased for 64 cents a dozen. Only 5,000 homes in America at that time owned a television, and the microwave was first discovered in that year. In 1945, both Steve Martin and Henry Winkler were born, among other celebrities. 1945 certainly was a momentous year. But for us this morning, it was most important because William Bright was born to Harold and Catherine Bright in Leesport, Pennsylvania, on June 22, 1945. As we've heard, he moved to Philadelphia to attend high school, and there he would meet and later marry his lifelong sweetheart, Arlene. And yet, in his mid-20s, his life changed in an even greater way when he trusted Christ as his personal savior. This relationship, above all the rest, would shape the rest of his life. When I asked his family how they would describe Bill, they listed several of the outstanding character traits that you've heard this morning. He was giving and kind, a loving husband. He and Arlene formed an inseparable team for 59 years. He loved her dearly and cared for her well. Bill was also a servant. He and Arlene went on more than 25 mission trips. I think we sat down and started talking about that. I'm sure it was more than that. They loved serving missionaries and their own church families through missions and the advance of the gospel. Bill happily served with me in, in our youth group when I was the youth pastor here, driving our church bus all over the state and always maintaining a great, gracious outlook even when the bus broke down again and again and again. But perhaps the strongest character trait and the one we should be most instructed by and we've heard a lot about this morning is his faithfulness. He was faithful to his wife and children. He was faithful to his job and to his church. And though he would freely admit that he was a sinner saved by grace, still growing every day, he was faithful to his Lord. He led others by a consistent, steadfast example. He was there when he was needed. And this should be a challenge to each of us. Perhaps one of the first things we should apply as we think of this dear man before us. And I encourage you this morning to follow Bill's example of faithfulness. Be steadfast. Be consistent. Fulfill your promises. Follow your Lord faithfully. Imitate Bill as he followed Christ this wasn't an attribute of Bill because he was such a good man. 
but because he was following his Savior. Now, what do we say in moments like this as family members and friends gather and we're confronted with the reality and the awfulness of death? This is a valuable moment for us. It's a teaching moment that God has woven into our lives. When we experience the sting of death, surely we must realize there's more to this perpetual cycle of living than living, dying, grieving. God's word makes clear that death is not a sign that he's forgotten about us. If we're going to believe the glorious truth of the gospel, Bill is more alive today, right now, in this moment, than he has ever been. Free from the grip of sin in this life and the painful sufferings he endured. Now, a pastor's supposed to say things like that, isn't he? But what do we base our hope for such a statement on? And knowing that we'll all face our own death someday, what does God say to us in our pain and grief as we sit here and consider Bill's life? Our hope is in the good news of Jesus Christ. If we want to make sense of life and of death, we need to look no further than Jesus himself in John chapter 11. In this passage, it describes to us the circumstances surrounding a dear friend, Jesus' own dear friend, Lazarus, and his death. We pick up the narrative in verse 32. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And our Lord Jesus Christ wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. In this story, we see a God who entered into the pain of our world, into the pain of this day. A God who fully understands the awful results of death, the consequences of sin, and a God who offers us an everlasting hope in the person of Jesus Christ. There's perhaps no more difficult difficulty in this life than facing the death of a friend or a loved one. Even for a believer who's died, there's still great sadness. And though we've been able to laugh about wonderful memories, there's still sadness about saying goodbye. Death causes a painful separation that's only understood as you personally walk through it. But one encouraging truth scripture provides is that our God is not uncaring about our sadness, about our struggle with death. The mourning at the funeral of Lazarus sounds all too familiar to us, people weeping at the grave of a dearly loved one. But in a surprising turn, the beauty of this passage is that Jesus himself joins in and he weeps. And think of it, Jesus is fully aware of what he's about to do. He knows in a moment he's going to raise Lazarus. And yet, he still weeps. It appears he weeps for at least two reasons. First, he's moved with compassion for those who are grieving over their loss. He cares for them in their pain. He's not unaware or insensitive to the hurts of those around him. These are his friends, his loved ones, and he shares in their suffering. He joins with them. 
Second, Jesus weeps from the personal grief he experiences as he sees the effects of death and sin. It was not what God intended for mankind to endure when he made the world. It is unnatural. Death is a terrible enemy, and we are right to grieve it. Gathering here today at a funeral, parting with a loved one, certainly does not indicate that something is right in this world, but rather is evidence that there is something terribly, terribly wrong with it. Jesus looked at the pain, suffering, and destruction that sin had brought into this world, and he wept. Not out of sentimentalism, but over the hopelessness of a world ravaged by sin and death in that moment. He felt it. He experienced it. And we can be comforted today knowing that our Savior is acquainted with grief. He is the great high priest who suffered as we do. He even understands it in a way that we can't even begin to comprehend. How comforting it is to have a God who's willing to enter into our world, experience our pain, and be moved with compassion in response. But it is a far greater thing to have a God who does more who's willing to do something and change that trajectory. The wonderful news of the gospel is that Jesus came to do something about sin, to abolish its power over us. He's not just moved by its effects. He enters our sin-cursed world to offer us hope, to offer hope to those who are living in it. He came as the one who in time would set all that is wrong and set it right in the world. Hope of the gospel comes in Jesus' words in this passage. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus is the source of the future resurrection in which Martha hopes and the source of life in the face of death's seeming victory. And that same Jesus stands before you today as you face the future of your own circumstances. Unless he intervenes, we will all be here someday. All our hope, past, present, and future, is wrapped up in this person, Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 and following says, It is Christ who has swallowed up death and victory and has taken away its sting. When he died on the cross, willingly giving up his own life, he experienced death in our place so that we are freed from the power of death. When a believer faces death, we certainly grieve over that loss. But Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 4.13 that we don't grieve like those in this world that don't have hope, that don't know this person who is the resurrection and the life. We know that for the one who truly believes in Christ, death is not final. It doesn't get the final word. Because of Jesus, death is destroyed. In times like this, we have the opportunity, it is right for us to face our own mortality. What do we make of life, of our own inevitable death? Don't run from thinking about that. This is intended for you to examine your life. It's but a vapor. What are you doing with it? The good news this morning is that hope is offered to each of us in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The saving hope is available to all who turn to him from their sin and believe. 
that he's the resurrection and the life. So do you know that you have life, unending life through Christ? There's no better time to evaluate this question than when you sit here at a funeral and see and grieve the loss of a loved one. Now we know what Bill's answer to that question was. He faced death with certainty because he trusted his life to the one who is the resurrection and the life. He turned from his sin to Christ. And if you share his confidence in Jesus, then even in your sorrow today, you can rejoice as we have been doing. If you don't know Christ as your own personal savior, Bill would want you to know more than anything else that you can be rescued from your sin and its eternal punishment by trusting in Jesus as he did. That was the choice he made long ago, and it changed his life, it changed his death, and it changed his eternal future.
before I close in prayer, just a couple quick announcements and then we'll be done. Uh, some of you may be wondering why there's no graveside. Um, that's because dad's gonna be buried up in Pennsylvania. Uh, we have a family cemetery there in Leesport where some of our relatives back to the 1700s are buried. So we're gonna get dad up there on Monday. So he'll, he'll be buried up there on Monday. Other than that, I want to thank all of you for coming. Uh, some of you came a long way. Uh, Debbie's family came from uh, up in Virginia, so I appreciate her sister and, and aunts coming. Uh, Uncle Bob and Aunt Joyce came all the way from Rehoboth Beach. They are uh, neighbors with Joe Biden and, um, and best friends, from what I understand. Uh, so, no. Okay, she won't ever speak to me again. And um, Cousin Bob and, and Tommy came from uh, Lynchburg and Charleston and maybe some others here that drove a long way. So thank you for making this day special for our family. Um, Mom will be out in the lobby afterwards. Uh, she does not have a book. She does have a book, but it's not for sale today. And uh, with that, we'll, I'll close this in prayer. Father God, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your love. Um, thank you for this service where we could honor uh, our dad. He was a great man. Uh, I thank you that for the gift of salvation, I thank you that you changed our family's destiny forever. It's difficult for me to think where our family would be if you had not changed my parents' lives uh, 50 some years ago. Um, the entire direction of our family has been changed because of you. And we're most grateful to you, Father. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.